Appamata and its programs are supported by your generosity and your generosity and support makes such a difference. You can find a link for contributions on the website at appamata.org. Thank you. So welcome everyone. It's really nice to see you on this day. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I'd like to welcome everyone who may be listening from the Sanghas in Madison, England, Switzerland, Alpine, Chicago, and Hawaii, and, and all the other folks that, that tune in from other places, um, wherever they may be. So welcome to, to all of you. Um, I was thinking, it might be tricky, maybe too many people, I don't know, 24. Um, to, to do names, uh, or an awful lot of names, but there are a few people that I don't recognize, so maybe it would be nice to just say your name and then where you're tuning in from. Um, so I'm Laurie, I'm here in Austin, of course. Um, and I guess you just have to shout it out because everybody's screen is different, so there's no order here. Anybody? Uh, Rosemary, New Jersey. Thank you. You'll have to unmute. Oh, you can't. You'd have oh. to unmute them. Okay. Okay. Hold on. Ellen Austin. Thank you, Ellen. Darcy. Becky. I'm Becky in British Columbia. I'm Muren in a snowy Austin, Texas. Bonnie <laughs> in Austin, Texas. I'm Kim in Austin. Lisa in Austin. Julia in Austin. And Pete. And Paul. I'm in Austin. Paul. I'm Nancy in Dallas. I'm Mary, I'm in Austin. I'm Maria in snowy Cumbria in the UK. Sorry. I'm Joan in Austin and Elizabeth says she can't unmute. And no, maybe Colin can't either. <laughs> Just yeah. say hello to him. Yeah, he says hello from... Uh, and Heather, too, she can unmute. I'm Nelda in Austin. Joan and Bill in Austin. Okay, several people. Elizabeth can't get on or can unmute. Yeah. You're in Austin, right, Elizabeth? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and Anne can't unmute either. Okay, Anne's in Austin. Good to see you. Okay. All right. Okay, well, we be, we'll begin. Um, 
So I wanted to start with, um, as I mentioned at the beginning, today is January 10th. And um, So what I was saying was that uh, January 10th, today is January 10th, and it's a, a special day for me that I wanted to share with you all. Um, today uh, is my father's birthday. And um, my father passed away in, in 2004, um, but it's always lovely to, to think of him on his day. It makes me happy. And, you know, I. I love my dad dearly. He was a very sweet man. Um, and in his old, uh, elder years or his later years, he developed um, some uh, dementia. And so he had trouble reading. And so I used to bring him books and then I'd ask him, um, hold on, Claudine's coming in. There you go. Um, I would ask him, uh, well, so uh, if you're having, why don't we read it together? And so I had a book, I happened to be reading um, Thich Nhat Hanh's uh, pieces every step. And uh, so we were reading it together. <clears throat> and in particular, we read the section on washing dishes, which I'm sure most of you are familiar with. Um, and washing the dishes about is <clears throat> precisely not Han talking about mindfulness and that in anything that we can, anything we do, we can be mindful and even in washing the dishes. And so um, it changes the activity. So when you wash the dishes, you um, feel the warm water and what a lovely, lovely thing is to feel warm water, right? Particularly on a day like today. Um, and then to look at the suds, you know, the bubbles, and, and you can see if the light hits it, you know, you can see the rainbows, you know, the, the uh, reflection of many colors in them. So it's just, it's really kind of a, you know, a delightful little thing that he wrote about being present to what you're doing. So we read that together. And so I asked my dad, now my dad was a Christian and he was an engineer and a very practical man. So I asked him, so what did you think about that? And he thought for a minute and he said, well, that sounds right. <laughs> um, and he said it made sense to him. And he said that when I, I do that, when I mow the lawn, for example, and when I mow the lawn, I just pay attention to the mowing lawn, which I couldn't imagine, but he, you know, he was very firm about that. Now I just pay attention to what I'm doing. <laughs> and it, it just made me laugh and appreciate him. One, because he, you know, is not a Buddhist and didn't have any particular interest in Buddhism, but, um, but he was willing to read this thing. And then not only that, but to, to take enough time to understand what it's talking about and then relate it to his own life. So I think about that a lot and when I think about him and just how delightful he was like that to just join somebody and you know think, listen to what they were talking about or whatever and joining them in it and understanding and connecting with it. So 
I'm thinking about him today and uh, appreciating him and, and his life and his being in my life and being responsible for my life. So I wanted, would like to talk, I'm continuing on uh, with another section from the book, Not Always So, Suzuki Roshi. It's uh, practicing the true spirit of Zen. And I really like the, uh, his way of teaching. It's, it's very simple, but it's very deep at the same time. So the one that I chose today is called uh, True Connection. And um, I just want to spend a little time on some of the things that he says. Uh, because it's, I find it very, very interesting. <clears throat> so he starts out saying that uh, true connection is not I don't mean true connection, true uh, concentration, true concentration. True concentration is not just concentrating on one thing. And he explains that by, by giving a couple of examples. He says, if you're in the Zendo, for example, and there's a group of people that you can focus on, particularly if, you know, being a teacher at the front or something, if you're, you know, watching what people are doing, or, you know, watch a certain person. But if you watch a certain person, then you really can't see what's going on in the whole Zendo. But if you, if you don't focus on anything at all, in fact, you can see everything, either see or sense what's going on. You can detect if somebody's moving or somebody's not moving. So that's, that's very interesting, you know, that when you no, don't concentrate on something in particular, you actually are aware of more. So he also uh, talks about, as another example, um, Avalokiteshvara, the uh, Bodhisattva of Compassion, who has a female depicted as a female and also as a male. Usually, the female is a Kuan Yin. Uh, but at any rate, that's depicted with a lot of times in in iconography or in statues and things that uh, that they have a thousand arms. And the thousand arms, of course, are to aid everybody. They're hearing the cries of the world and you know offering arms, offering help. And so uh, Suzuki Roshi says, well, would Avalokiteshvara decide to just use one hand at a time? Well, there'd be 999 arms that are being used. So he's you know, saying in the same way that we open up and don't be specific on one thing. And then you're available on a lot of, a lot of different ways. It's a much broader perspective. So at the main uh, point of Zazen, of our practice, since ancient times, has been uh, having a calm, clear mind in whatever you're doing, a calm, clear mind. So again, he gives some examples. 
he gives the example of when we're eating food that's, you know, tasty food. So we have the experience of tasting the food, but if we really are paying attention, if we have a mind that's calm enough, we can appreciate as well the labor that went into the preparation of the food. And, and we hear that a lot, right? Whenever we do a meal chant, 72 labors have gone into making of this food. And he goes further, not just the labor in the food, in the preparation of the food, but also the labor in the utensils and the bowls, the plates or the cups, what chopsticks and whatnot. The labor that was put into that, all the people that did that. So in looking at eating, it, it becomes something much more, um, much wider, much deeper. There's, there's a whole thing, it it's, reminds me again of Thich Nhat Hanh and his idea of interbeing. All this is related to just having a meal. There's a lot more in it than we see with the normal, normal eye. <clears throat> he also talks about uh, in knowing someone, that everyone has, uh, if you know someone, it's, it's to sense their flavor. He uses the word flavor, their personality from which their feelings appear. And so to fully appreciate the flavor or personality of the person is to have a good relationship, he says. It means not clinging, not trying to please, but fully appreciating them. That's very interesting. Um, there's no, you know, he's removed all the objectification or all our purposes for appreciating people, but just appreciating them as they are, period all the different aspects of them. It's with that same mind of seeing a deeper, a deeper experience, a deeper reality. So again, to appreciate people and things, we need a calm and clear mind. And so we practice Zazen. We practice Zazen with no gaining idea. And when we are practicing in this way, we are, we are ourselves, nothing added. We are ourselves. And with this practice, we have freedom. So attain, to attain this freedom and this way of being is to sit upright and let our eyes and ears be open to everything. And the openness is important, very important in this, or else we'll get stuck. Our mind will get stuck on some complicated thing that it's trying to do or some trouble, specific trouble it get caught, gets caught up in. And how many times has that happened, happens to us when we're sitting in meditation, that we're drawn off by some particular thing. So I really love this, 
this whole idea that he's bringing up. And in fact, um, I was worrying about a lot of stuff and I started reading this thing and <laughs> I really got much calmer. Um, remarkable. He says we can't force ourselves physically to sit or create a special state of mind. You know, they say mirror mind is, is what we want to have, reflecting everything but holding on to nothing. But we can't have mirror mind if in fact we're trying, trying to attain it. But we can practice concentration or let our mind follow the breath so we're not involved in these side issues, these compl some complicated practice or to avoid our losing ourselves, attempting to accomplish something. <clears throat> he calls these attempts at trying to, to control our mind or trying sometimes um, people will say, oh, I, I know this, this person is, has a really strong practice and they're, you know, they're very upright and they do this. And, and so they're, you say, well, I want to be like that person. So you try to be like, like they are in Zazen. And this is, again, what Suzuki says is the art of Zen, not the practice of Zen. So our practice and our, our sitting is not about doing something perfectly. Thank God, that's what I say. But it's just a matter of doing it, doing it the best that we can, <clears throat> doing it as we do. So no matter what you think about Zazen, whether you think that you can do it or not, if you know what it truly is, you can do it. It's being you, being you. <clears throat> With the calm and, and um, clear mind. So in Zen, we always hear uh, to follow the schedule. It's important to follow the schedule and do things with people. Typically, in, uh, or especially in intensives, right? We are asked to follow the schedule just as it is and to do one thing after another and you know, participate with other people and things. So we practice with people. But according to Suzuki Roshi, our goal is to practice with, and I love this, mountains and rivers, trees and stones. We practice with everything everything in the world, everything in the universe. And when we practice in this big way, we'll know the way, we'll know intuitively, know which way to go. And to practice this way is, is good. But he says, one may be practicing with a mistaken idea. I love this part. If I know I am making a mistake, but I can't help continuing my practice, he says, there's no problem. There's no problem because we know what we're doing. 
we're paying attention. If you open your true eyes and accept the you that is involved in the wrong idea of practice, that is real practice. Isn't that interesting? I love that. Um, I think it's so often with so many of us, we're so worried about doing things right. And it's just really reassuring. Open your eyes and accept the you that is involved in a wrong idea of practice and that's real practice. I think that's really relieving. He says, accept your thinking because it is already there. No need to get rid of it. Right and wrong don't matter. Dualistic thinking, right and wrong don't matter. Rather, it is a question of how to sincerely accept with openness of mind what you are doing regardless of what you're doing. This is the most important point. Accepting the you who is thinking something without trying to be free of the images you have. You say, oh, here they come. Or that person is moving. Our eyes remain the same when he stops moving. When we're sitting and our eyes are not focused on anyone we sense he's moving. We sense that he stopped moving. That is how the eyes see when they are not watching anything special. So in this way, our practice includes everything. One thing after another. And you do not lose your calmness of mind. So the extent of practice is limitless. We've said we're practicing with everything. And with this base, with this foundation, this is real freedom. <clears throat> when you evaluate yourself as good or bad, right or wrong, that is comparative value. And so you lose your absolute value. Everything has its absolute value. And how wonderful is that? So we, we take that away from ourselves and from other people, other things, when we start comparing. When you evaluate yourself with a limitless measure, you will be settled on your real self. That is enough. That is enough. You understand that point, you will know what real practice is for human beings and for everything. So that is the end of my talk. Um, if there has any questions, I have an activity for us to do, but if there are any questions before we start that or any comments, um, feel free to, yeah, Darcy. Oh, um, can you unmute folks, <clears throat> please? Maybe I have to do that.
I think we can now. Uh, I was just wanting you to share that um, uh, resource of the book you were using again. Um, I didn't quite catch it. Can't, can't, you're muted now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, not always so. Suzuki Roshi, and it's not always so. And then this, the, the second part is um, practicing the true spirit of Zen. This okay. Is an older book. It's that's the good one. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. And I saw Becky. Where did you have a question or a comment? It, that was the exact question I had. I wanted oh, okay. to write it down. Okay. Thank great. you. Uh -huh. Um, uh, can you say the name of the book again, and I'll put it in the chat, uh, Lori. Sure. Yeah, not always so. You probably don't need the second part. Practicing the true spirit of Zen, it's probably not critical. But it's in, it's in, uh, Suzuki Roshi, so Shunryo uh, Suzuki. It's his well, Lori, this is Miren. There you are. Uh, I wonder if you can repeat the, how you started it about the goddess or God with many arms and then the one arm analogy. Yeah, he was talking about the, um, about what true uh, concentration is. And so if the, if the goddess, if you will, not goddess, it's a bodhisattva, but. So. Okay. Anyway, Alokiteshvara or Kuan Yin is is depicted with a thousand arms because she's the, the um, bodhisattva of compassion and she's hearing the cries of the, the the world and is there to you know offer help with her thousand arms and if she were just to focus on one arm that these other arms would be used i mean they wouldn't be being used so she's overemphasizing one and, and missing the you know the vast majority of what's there. Does that make sense? Yes, and that was in what book or in what? Uh... Uh, it's in the chat. Okay. Yeah, it's in the chat. It's, it's, it's not it's in the same uh, Suzuki Roshi book or is it in the thing that, uh, okay. No, it's in the Suzuki Roshi book. Okay. Okay, so um, let's see, we have 26, and we have 30 minutes probably, less than that. Um, so let's see, uh, we've got plenty of time, I think. So we could probably do it in pairs. Let's do, um, have you done breakout rooms before? I'm gonna try, I have, okay. but... Okay. So you want 13 rooms of two people? Yes. And we also need to give it a time limit. And so I'd like to come back. Uh, we need to do the, the service and the, um, there's a little chanting we need to do. Um, so let's do it, say 10 minutes before 10.50. So that'll give us a good 20 minutes. So you want uh, 20 minutes? Yeah, it's, that's probably a lot, but... Um, Uh, that's probably a lot. Oh, well, we'll do it and see how that goes. 
and then we'll have to okay. go. I, I think I got it. Is there, is there a specific assignment? Yes, for very important. Let me say that. Don't, don't send them yet. Um, <laughs> yes, there was. <laughs> okay, and, and maybe we can put this in the chat. I don't know. So it's just basically to talk with your partner about your practice and um, what brought you into practice, most importantly. What, so what, I think most of us have an idea of what we might gain or what we're going to learn or what, how it's going to help us. So what did you come in wishing for or thinking that would happen? And then, um, and then uh, uh, has that changed over time or, uh, or not? And then if so, how? What has it changed to or? And then we have one more question when we come back. And I'll try to remember that we're gonna do that. Lori, yes? I think 20 minutes is quite long because if there's two of us that we could each talk for five minutes and then have uh, some back and forth for five minutes, that's quite a lot of time. Yeah, I think maybe it is too. Okay, so let's do, mm, okay, let's 10 minutes. Have 15, this is five, 15. five and five. Yeah, let's do that. Mm -hmm. Oops. Then we'll have 15 left. Yeah, 15 left. Give me a second. Timing is not my strength. Anything having to do with time. <laughs> okay, ready? Time. Yes, we're ready. Okay, well, we'll just go on. <clears throat> so the one question that uh, I was wondering is well, how it went for you guys in, in the group talking about that. And was there anything that you learned that uh, about your partner that moved or inspired you? Yeah, Joan. Well, it was a wonderful conversation and we're gonna continue it after because we didn't finish. Darcy's gonna contact us again. But I found once again, one of the special things about being part of this Sangha is when we do these small things and we get to know each other. Yeah. yeah. And that's what's special. I was in a Sangha another place and it was not like this. Yeah. And I'm surprised every time at how wonderful it is to just be close and Zoom actually helps it. We're sitting opposite each other and really talking. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, I, I think so too. Thank you for that, Joan. I'm so glad. Anne. Yeah, I was talking with Maria and we, I mean, I really resonated with so much of what she said. And then right near the end of our talk, she talked about having somewhat of a difficult relationship with her mother. And I was like, oh, you too. Oh gosh, yeah, this is what I'm dealing with. And um, <laughs> Yeah, that just like Joan said, the connection is very, 
warming. Yes, yes, I'm glad. Ellen? Uh, when my partner uh, told me about the time, when he uh, realized he doesn't have to wait like to another life or something to be a bodhisattva, he can do it right now. Mm, nice, yeah, that's really nice. Thank you. I'd like to, I'd like to echo what Joan Mueller was saying. Uh, Colin and I were in, in our, uh, our breakout room and really enjoyed meeting him and having the conversation. But um, right now in particular, um, especially with the way what happened this week politically, um, uh, there's a lot of fear for myself, F fear and anxiety associated with, the, with those things. And we tend to, at least I tend to withdraw some and kind of start drawing the distinction between they, them, you know, them and us. And, um, and so it was really, really heartwarming and great to connect with Colin in particular, but of course with the entire Sangha to, to be able to feel, um, the, the, to relieve the anxieties and the fears that we see in, in the political world today. So, so it was really great. Yeah, thanks for saying that, Paula. Uh, yeah, there have been a couple of times this week, well, right after what happened, I think Joel did the Brahma Viharas, and there were a couple of things. Uh, I got together with a group of people, and it made so much difference um, to be able to connect with folks after such a shocking event. Um, I think that's a really, really good point. Uh, Becky. Yeah, I just I just want to say sort of what other people have been saying was that the opportunity to have the conversation that we were able to, I was with Connie and we found so many places that resonated together in terms of a lot of what's important in our lives as well. And we, we would like to make sure that we can continue a conversation around some of that. Right. Um, but in general, I have found a richness in the kinds of Dharma type things. How do we live out teachings? What do we experience with it? I feel a richness in the fact of our being able to share that from each other's experience, not just from these particular teachings or those, but it's like each each of us on the journey exactly yeah. and and the strength of what that is when it when you feel that as such a the whole sangha they're walking with each other in many ways yeah i love that um yeah it's we're all we're all walking each other home they say but uh, walking together i love that that's great. Did I miss anybody? Yeah, Joan. Um, well, I hear everyone talking about how wonderful the connection is. And Kim and I have been talking uh, and we're ready to bring it forth and I will do it now. Uh, you know, you meet these people in Sunday uh, and you may want to contact them later and we don't have emails or any way of doing that. And we are very careful with 
people's private uh, information and we do not have it. And so what Kim has devised is a way that we can contact each other through the website and our emails will never show, uh, but you're gonna need to opt in on that. And so we'll send out an email uh, and you can go to the form, which would make your information available if someone clicked on your name on the a website, you could say you want to contact them and no webs, no emails will ever be visible. But you'll go and, directly to them. Yes, or, or something. Kim knows it all. But anyway, we're working on that and we will we will get that out this month so that when we have these times that if if you're wanting to follow up later, you can. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to make that uh, known. And then I just wanted to say that uh, I was with Claudine and it was so inspirational. Uh, she uh, was in the hospital around Christmas and it was very difficult and she was in a lot of pain and she didn't want to take the painkillers and she used her practice and was able to focus on herself rather than the pain. And uh, she, she was real funny. She said, it doesn't work when she's sitting, but in real life, but when I've experienced that, that, you know, when I'm in really big trouble, my practice kicks in. But uh, she was, it was just amazing what, what she has done. That's funny. Thank you. Darcy, Darcy. I just got to say um, that this was a very, very powerful Dharma talk for me. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciate you speaking from the heart, you know, from your experience and bringing forth this great resource. I've heard of his book, but I haven't looked at it. And um, just, you know, open your eyes and accept the you that is involved in the wrong ideas of practice, accept the you that is thinking something without trying to be free of the energies of it. I mean, that's just so um, helpful. And uh, anyway, I wanna get this book and then I wanna listen to your Dharma talk again. Because <laughs> the way you said it was a lot of it. So thank you so much. Thank you, Darcy, Darcy. I, I wanted to say that, um, that being uh, with you this morning was the first time that I could not feel frustrated or sad. I just felt joy. Oh, that's mm -hmm. nice. I'm glad. Mm -hmm. That's really nice. Thank you, Marie. Okay. I just wanted to say one thing about, um, I was with Nelda and um, uh, it didn't really, had not been paired up with her before. And um, I was impressed with a lot of things, but one thing uh, during a big transition in her life, she took this one month trip to Asia that kind of led her to, to thinking in terms of spirituality and to Catholic background like I do. And that slowly as she continued in this big transition in her life, 
found Appamata. So, I mean, that to me, that was a fearless move on her part. I really was impressed, appreciated it. Great, thank you. Thank you, Rosemary. Okay, all right. I guess we're done with that. So we need to do the finishing touches here and do the bow. So let me get moved over there and we'll proceed. I'll do the service and then we'll do our chanting.